humans, you have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, how's it going? You're listening to The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we're going to be talking about some hard names. And flavor text. It's more exciting than it sounds. Don't worry, we will get into it very shortly. But first, we have some winners to announce, but not right now. First, we have to announce when we're going to announce the winners. That's right. Last week, we announced that we were giving away a copy of Red Rising from Del Rey Spectra. Uh, It's the second book. It's the first, first book, book. I'm sorry, in we messed series. this up last yeah. week too. <laughs> the second one is Golden Sun. Um, we're actually giving away 10, 10 copies. Yeah, lots of winners. Yeah, well, Del Rey's actually giving away 10 copies. We're not. Uh, so thank That's you, Del true. Rey. Um, if you did enter the contest, then just wait till the end of the episode before the end step, and we will be announcing the winners. Please don't skip, because this is a good episode. Actually, our our last episode with uh, with James, who is our guest again, uh, is one of our more popular episodes ever. Really? Yeah, it was episode seven. Congrats, That's James. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, James is on the show. James What's up, Pianca, everybody? everybody. Round of applause. Hello. Also cheering, Woo. not just applause. Yeah. Was, yeah, we want tons of applause. <laughs> um, a couple of things before we get started. The Deck Doctor submissions. Um, we didn't think of this before, or I didn't think of this before, but <laughs> I'm going to request, because we're still accepting submissions, people keep asking. Yep. Um, yes, you can keep sending them. We will be choosing them, like we said, intermittently. Um, but please put deck doctors in the, in the subject line of the email when you send it, because we're starting to get so many emails that it's hard to keep track of everything, which yeah. we, wasn't a problem for us in the past, but it's becoming an issue. But don't worry, is it- we're not going to miss your email if you've sent it before. Just this will help us from here on out on top yeah, of all that. Exactly. And we have missed some emails from people that weren't emailing in for the deck doctors thing, I think, because we've just, we've literally got like a thousand submissions for the deck doctors. So pretty healthy. Yeah. And so it's kind of gotten, we, it took us a little while to get uh, our workflow as far as like keeping everything separate and whatever. It'll just help us if you put, deck doctors in the subject line and also i just want to apologize to anybody who sent us an email in the last like six weeks or so <laughs> that wasn't about that that was just normal like email to us yeah uh, we may have not responded and for that i apologize it's, it's just because we hate you uh i feel really bad because we've normally been responding to every single yeah. email that comes in but there's just with the deck doctors it's been really hard um i'd also say like a lot of people are sending in their deck doctors submissions and they're saying things like even if you don't pick it for the show i'd love to hear what you guys think Mm -hmm. and i would love to but we literally have a thousand probably maybe more it's just not probably going to be possible (laughs) for us to like correspond with each person that's sending in uh, a deck so we apologize when we're not responding to all the deck doctors when we are looking at them you do have a chance to be chosen you could win a pack of the dark or whatever else we decide to give away Mm -hmm. uh anyway there we go Apologies aside, we look forward to deck doctoring some of those decks, but not all of them. We did recently record a second deck doctors episode, That's so right. look forward to that. There's a winner in the soon. wings. All, all right. right, let's move on to card names and flavor text. So once again, we have James Pianca here. Uh, he's at James Pianca on Twitter. Uh, he was on episode seven of this show. That is zero seven, so our seventh show ever. That was almost a year ago now, James. It was, and I did not realize you guys were so young at that point. We were show. babies. We didn't tell you because we were like, yeah, we've been around the block. We know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been called young in a very long time. It feels good. Yeah. It feels good. Can I see your ID, Josh? 
You're like, no. <laughs> that only ever happens when I'm with you in Vegas, Jimmy. That's true. I get ID'd so fast in that city. It's insane. I would immediately ID you. Yeah. <laughs> I would call security and eject you from the premises. He literally played <laughs> a, like a 16 or 17-year-old like last year yep. on a show. So It was good casting. It yeah, was well, casting. <laughs> age appropriate. Uh, so James um, writes flavor text and, and card names for Magic. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that, what that job is? I know we've covered it before, but it's been a while. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm a member of what's called the Creative Text Team, which uh, receives a fair amount of information about what the cards are going to look like and what they will do uh, bef- you know, far before the set even gets announced. Mm-hmm. And so we're deep in the development process, and we look at the mechanics of the card. We look at the, the artist, whatever the most recent proof the artist has turned in for the art, and we read all of the art direction that they received, and we get occasional occasional notes about how, what kind of tone they want from us in our mm-hmm. writing. And then we provide um, multiple submissions for the name of the card, and then multiple qu- uh, pieces of flavor text. Uh, so three names and two quotes per card, assuming there is room for a quote at all. Sometimes it's just right. the names, or even there is um, enough room for the name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then and then. Uh, uh, Wizards will go back through and they'll look at the the pool of submissions they got for all of those cards and they will select one name and one quote and pay us accordingly. So you Very paid cool. per name or quote chosen? Right, per unit of writing. So if you mm-hmm. get both the name and the quote on the card, you get paid twice. Oh, very nice. Now, then, how many sets have you worked on to this date? I have uh, Magic Origins is my second set to see print, mm-hmm. uh, first being Khans of Tarkir a year ago. And then I have um, I have three more unannounced sets in the machinery. Oh, so that's cool. how far in the future you guys are working as, is three, four like sets down the road. I've completed writing for two of those sets. The third one is about to start. Gotcha. That, that window opens shortly. That's exciting. Well, we know that R and D develops sets two years in advance. So that would make sense that they have all the relevant information for that stuff way in advance as well. Yeah. They may, they might do the mechanics two years in advance, mm-hmm. but our stuff is, is more like a year. Right. Advance. Because they do have some artwork. Does does every card have artwork at that point, or is it is no, pretty sparse? No, um, you, it might get as sparse, as, as minimal as just a, a graphite sketch that the artist had thrown in. Right. Um, and if there's nothing, there's a, a stock image of Martha Stewart. Oh, you told oh, right. us this yeah, last yeah. time. <laughs> it's actually online. If you if you Google it, you'll, you can find it. Uh, the Mothership put out an article um, that details quite a bit of this a while ago, which allows me to speak about this, which is right. great. Um, and they have... Uh, they, they post the image in there, and it, it's nice. It's just this goofy image. It's actually really frustrating because I want to see the art. I want to know what I'm writing right. about. But it helps you, of course. Yeah. I, hope, I hope Martha doesn't throw you off, too. You're, you're writing something, and you see Martha's picture, and you're like, maybe I should name it the mother of... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think it, it does a little bit just in, this, in the opportunity cost. Like, if there was something there, I might vibe with it, you know? But right. if there's not, I'm just going to have to, like, imagine what it could be. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you go about getting started, you know, in this gig? Um, well, I do. The, I'm a. I'm a. I identify as a narrative designer to the game industry at large. So I'm not just working on Magic. Um, Magic is the the largest and most visible game title that I've that I've contributed to, and I got it by just sort of being a writer first. I was publishing on a place called GatheringMagic.com, mm-hmm. um, and there's actually kind of a. You'd be surprised how many creative text writers are lurking on that staff. Uh-huh. I didn't know this. I had an essay that I wanted to get published, and I was shopping it around, and they were the ones who bit, and. Um, just the connections I made there, particularly on Twitter, we all got in touch and got it going. And eventually, you know, one of them, one of them reached out to me and, um, we had started talking about this and I was like, yes, of course I would love to do that. Like, you know, it's part of a, part of the reason I'm in this gig. I'm in this industry doing that. And, yeah. you know, he connected me to the person at wizards that I was supposed to speak to. And 
you know, they administered the test and off I went. That's cool. Uh, can you give the uh, listeners some names of cards that you named or had flavor text for in cons? In cons? Yeah. Sure. Um, so my favorite is Empty the Pits because it's super metal. Very I nice. was really sad one. that it didn't get the standard and or, you know, uh, you know, it's got EDH playability. Brian David Marshall plays it in his EDH deck, so you've that, got that. We got that. I tried it in our cube at home, and it's just it's just one black mana symbol too much. Yeah, it's just yeah. Too, it's too hefty. So empty the pits is in there. Um, I got the flavor quote on Woodland Foothills. Um, clever impersonator. Um, I think my favorite, my my best writing in the set is the flavor quote on either Briber's Purse or Right of the Serpent. Which mm-hmm. are commons and uncommons are not prominent cards, but I just hey, I played Ride the Serpent a lot in Limited. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like I like that quote a lot. Uh, I got Seeker of the Ways quote. Um, oh, that's a good one. That's not competitive. Yeah, yeah that's, that's still sees play. Yeah, that, that's a real card. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. Um, Concept Shark here was was a great set for me. That's well, awesome. Woodland Foothills, of course. That's the big one. I actually yeah. have an interesting story about that. I don't. This is this is interesting. So I submitted Wooded Foothills, by the way, guys. Oh, Wooded. Wooded, excuse on, me. Geez. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like, just my glasses. I'm getting in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that um, term. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, so I submitted my quote for that, which is. Um, where dragon's breath once burned, their bones now freeze, mm-hmm. and it's not a—it's not doing anything crazy. It's not breaking breaking down any walls, but it's—it fits in the amount of space that was allotted, and it does like a clever little little trick. Yeah, a little um, twist, you know, yeah. Little, little twist, little twist in the pros. And so, uh, if you look at the rest of the of the cycle of the, the cons fetchlands, they all follow that convention. Yeah, it's like you oh, set wow. the formula, and then mm-hmm. they yeah yeah. So I I will go on record as uh, having inspired that that cycle. The, One, the that's a good that cycle, cycle since yeah. those are going to be used forever. Yeah. forever. For instance, Polluted Delta says where dragons once prevailed, their bones now sink. Right. Oh, um, James, you're a rock star, man. I didn't realize that. Well, I mean, they didn't pay me for the rest of the cycle. And I didn't, <laughs> and, uh, you didn't write the other ones. I didn't write yeah, the rest yeah. of them. And one of the other perks we get, this is wonderful, is we get a, fo- a courtesy foil copy of every card that we've Oh, right. Yeah, I did not get this. a play set of, I did not get a, a foil it. cycle of the fetch so I just got my foothills. I was super bummed. But it's fine. Hey, that's all right. Anyway. Uh, so let's talk about Origins here. Um, we know Origins is pretty story heavy. Uh, yeah. It's unique. It's the last core set. It's also trying to tell, you know, what we've we've posited the theory that it's probably trying to set up for the movie uh, a little bit. And so were you, like, did they let you know the backstories? Like, we've just recently seen the release of all the backstories on Uncharted Realms of each of the Planeswalkers. Right. Did they have that all done? Was that stuff you were looking at? Like, how We did m- not have them in such a long, like, narrativized, uh, right. you know, uh, form like that. We didn't have full st- short stories, but we had maybe a two-page Word document for each Planeswalker, kind of walking us through with a couple little thumbnails of sample right. art. Um, I'm so guessing we, that's what the creative writers for the stories probably got something similar to that to base their stories right. off of as well. Right. So I mean, for Jace, it would just say like poor, <laughs> raised know, here, bullied. It was more than that. It was like two pages of writing mm-hmm. for each one. Gotcha. Um, but it's it was not prose. Is no, it, it more it, like it, outline? Uh, I mean, it was. I mean, it was prose, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't fleshed out with. It wasn't. Like, the it wasn't a piece set. of fiction. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was. It was just like then Jace. Then this happens to Jace. And, right. You know, and then this happens. And, right. It was pretty straightforward. We just, we sort of knew what we were doing, and the particulars of it kind of came to light once we saw what the cards themselves, and we saw how they were each being depicted. Mm-hmm. Did they give you any direction? Because again, the set's also called Magic Origins, and right. part of what it's trying to accomplish is sort of throwbacks to old Magic cards or or nostalgic, you know, cards from the past. Did they did they talk to you about that at all? Not really. No, that was just sort of in the machinery, and oh, you know, cool. we saw it, but it wasn't relevant to us in our task. 
So we didn't get that instruction. I mean, it's not relevant in the naming and the flavor text, you don't think? Um, you're sort of expected to know when something is going to be a throwback uh-huh. magic. So, for so instance, it was like assumed almost that you would know that. They didn't specifically say, like, make sure you try and reference old cards. They just... No, we have to just be aware of when, they're, when that's happening. Interesting. So, for mm-hmm. instance, um, uh, Conclave Naturalist. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's next, uh, last name. He's a buddy of mine, a uh, fellow writer at Gathering Magic and a member on the creative text team. His name is Ant Tresori, Tresuar. We screw up every name <laughs> we ever say. Literally every name. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he's a wonderful dude, colleague of mine, Peter. We talk about game design all the time. Um, he named that card. It was his first set, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, so oh, nice. Cool. He did, Congrats. He actually had more, more acceptances than me this time. Uh, I'm going to beat him next time, but he got me here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You've got quite a bit here, so I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, well, thank you. He did really well himself. Um, he, named, he named Conclave Naturalist, and that card, if, if you'll see when it enters the battlefield, it destroys a uh, artifact, artifact or enchantment. enchantment. Yeah. So it's a very clear reference to naturalize. They right. are mm-hmm. naturalized on a body. Um, and he sort of cleverly associated it with the you know, the main primary card, the grandfather card of that, mm-hmm. of that yep. ability. And, you know, it's sort of, that's the kind of thing that a creative is looking for when they go in and select from the pool. And there's no guarantee they're going to take anything that was submitted. They can just throw out our stuff all the time. Actually, Creative Origins is full of cards that retained their working title despite the submission pool. Oh, interesting. Um, so or they even like, a couple... They just didn't like any of the submissions that came in or like, nah, this still fits the best. They also they change the mechanics of the card or the art mm-hmm. of the card. Things change. Things are subject to change enormously from right. the time we see them as writers to the time they see print. So often, I'll see a card that'll get spoiled, and I'll recognize it. I'll remember what it was, and it'll look totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple examples that we can we can get into, but the most interesting one uh, for me on mine was uh, Demo- Demonic Pact, you know, mm-hmm. the one that kills you in four mm-hmm. turns. That was a very different card in development. Interesting. Um, and I got paid uh, for the name Infernal Etchings. Because they were going to use that. They name. were going to go with Infernal Etchings, but I think they read. I, as far, I was really disappointed when I saw the card because I was really looking forward to it. I remember it being just this badass toolbox, mono black, like just right. mythic enchantment. I was going to run it in every black EDH deck ever. Um, but it had been redesigned, and Infernal Etchings no longer really did it. It, it, it they really packed is a really key word there. It's pretty yeah, important yeah. that you, especially, especially with the, the flavor of the yeah, card. You need yeah. to get that that deal involved. And so, was the Liliana's story different at that point? No. What did the stories pretty much stay the same as what you stories, saw? Stories are the same. Stories are totally the same. Very interesting. Well, let's get into some of the cards that you named for this set. Now, we're not going to talk about every single card, uh, but I think it's just going to be fun to just go through these and yeah, just absolutely. hear a little bit about it. Um, the first one up is a card that's made quite a splash. It's Days Undoing. Days Undoing. If you guys don't know, this is kind of like a... Um, time twister. Time twister, yeah. You, except it ends the term when you cast it. Now, Days Undoing, I mean, this card could see a lot of play across a lot of formats, so I hope you're pretty excited about this one. I'm pretty excited. I fear that it won't because mm-hmm. I've heard a great day of, deal of nays, uh, naysayers, naysayers as well. Yeah. Um, but there will always be naysayers before prosayers. I'll say the that. good thing about this card is people are going to try to use it. Yeah. So you'll yes, know yes, whether yes. it is. There's so many cards that nobody ever tries to, and you're like, that could be good. This card so, also has literally no room for flavor text. It's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's full on like rules text. Um, so do you want to go through like the naming of this specific card? Um, sure. I don't remember my other submissions for it. I don't know, uh, remember what other lines of thought I explored, mm-hmm. but at least for days on doing, the idea was that it was there was a a sort of reversal of what had been done, mm-hmm. um, and I the, I was really vibing on that art. Yeah, I, this sort of door to happy lands, right? In, right. In this it seemed crazy it, world. Yeah, it, it seemed like a very a very powerful 
um, typically blue kind of way of turning back time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I was that's what I was going for. And um, evidently creative agrees with me in this. But stylistically, I'm a, a huge fan of alliteration. I feel like especially, you know, I, like, like strong repeated consonants are often uh, a great way to make something sound catchy. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have a lot of space, you have two words, you know, days on doing like those double D's in there. Are, yeah, <laughs> that's why um, every superhero is named something like that. daredevil. There you go. Yeah. Well, it actually ties right into the next card that we're going to talk about, Animist's Awakening. Animist's Awakening, yeah. So it's a very similar format of a, uh, a, a possessive word and then a, a thing uh, that mm. ends in ing. Uh, this card is going to see a ton of EDH play. Remember Holy that moly. Crufix list I brought in last time? Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Those, the last two cards, these two cards, Days Undoing and uh, Animist's Awakening are the only ones going in there. That's great. Um, now, I assume... So you get to submit a few names for each of these cards, correct? Right. So... Uh, Nissa is the animist, right? That's a word that's been associated with her. Right. Did each of your submissions have a, a version of Nissa's name in there because this is specifically her awakening? I think I might have even used her name directly in some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. It was very much her. The, she was clearly in the art. Um, I don't remember whether we saw the art or not, but like if we didn't, she would be stipulated in the art itself, like right. in, the, in the description. Right, so right. That's it was really clearly cool. about her. Yeah, definitely. You said on the last one you didn't remember what your other submissions were. Um, do you often know, like, oh, that one is good? Do you, like, is it like a basketball player? You like, feel, you, you, if you it leaves it your, your fingertips and you're like, that, that's in. Definitely. Absolutely. You feel them in your bones and then you see them. And then, like, you know, you get the email telling you what you got. And you're like, mm-hmm. boom, it's right there. There it is. Killed it. And you so it. <laughs> those are the best. I love those. I have a couple that I just submitted into the most recent one that I would love to talk about, but I can't. Of course <laughs> not. No, no, no. They're like, I've got a few that are just like music. They're just beautiful. And I hope I get them. That's a, that's, <laughs> I hope you get them yeah, too. I hope, I hope so too, so we can talk about it again. Um, that's so very exciting. Uh, you got a Planeswalker. You I named, got my first Planeswalker. You kind of though. He starts kind. as a creature. It's not really there. No, sure. it's not really, satisfied it, yet. It's but. actually better, I think, because yeah, I these agree. are the first ever dual face planeswalkers. There will never be another first ever. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. So to I get share one of them. Pretty else. Good. I don't know who got his, who, I don't who know got who got friends prodigy. Um, I remember seeing that though in the pool and being like, that's probably the one. Yeah. That's probably it. So you get to see other submissions when you submit as well. Yeah. That's actually really important because we want to, we don't want to be covering the same ground. Mm-hmm. It's important to avoid redundancy and it's often very obvious what the card's name is going to be. Right. And so sometimes whoever gets there first just gets it. Like, Good money of mine, uh, John Dale Beatty. He writes for he writes for Star City Games. Mm-hmm. He uh, for Conf- conflict of interest can no longer write for Magic because he is at Star City. He's at Star City right. and he can manipulate prices and such. And it, you know, so um, <laughs> all of a sudden these like random commons are just twenty bucks. Yeah. So, like, uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, they're reprinting Fetchlands. Like, yeah, you know, blah blah blah. Um, anyway, he. Uh, he named uh, Zanagos, God of Revels. Mm-hmm. Right. That was clearly going to be that the, that God's name. There was no, like, I mean, it could have been God of Revelry, maybe, but, like, it was definitely, right. like, Revels is a word that is sort of, like, almost code-worded, like, keyworded throughout the flavor of that set. Like, ah, the, like parties parties on Theros are called Revels. Right. And uh, that was, that's his turf, and he's just this, like, total bro god, and God of Revels was, like, pretty much got to be the name. And so John got in there first. He was just the first person to claim it. Now well, I that, I play this game called uh, uh, Fibbage sometimes, fibbage. where you're supposed to like create a fake word or a fake definition for something, and you can see sometimes what other people do. Uh, and would would it be I don't know scummy to be like you see God of Revels and you submit God of Revelry? Like, does that sort of weirdness ever happen? Um, that would be savvy. I would not call that scummy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that that 
That leads me to a question about the process. So you submit how many names per card? Three names and two quotes. And they're going to pick one or the other. But you don't just necessarily submit three at once? Uh, No, you can put in one and come back later. For instance, um, Tainted Revelry. Mm -hmm. I should have waited. Uh, You'll see the... I was the very first person. I'm often the first person out of the cards. Like I like just blaze through my first draft. Right. Um, uh, I don't know. There's many... reasons to do that and not like i'm kind of a I kind well, of like, like to, you said being there first is very important as i like well. yeah i like to like claim the obvious stuff to make sure that no one else can get there i also like to kind of i want people to like retreat in shame at the quality <laughs> of my work and i'm just like i, I want to go in there and just like shock and awe i don't want right. people to come in and like be totally demoralized like oh man how do i even compete so right right you i mean like we're all we're it is a competition today we're trying to get paid and so right. i'm definitely in there like like lighting off fireworks and so right. um, we're doing it but regardless um tainted tainted remedy it's on the one hand there is a, a very kind of kind of obvious given in the vibe like mm-hmm. it's going to be you know it's, it's josu and it's and it's lily and they're on they're like she's kneeling over him in his bed and it's this like very like poignant and like kind of quiet urgent moment mm-hmm. and um I'm not saying that others would not have done this. I, you know, I just said that there are obvious ways of doing it, but I definitely got in there first and I definitely did a, like a take this brother, like it'll make you better kind of thing. Right. I, I didn't get the, I didn't get the exact wording of it, but every single submission in that pool was the same thing. We were all very, wow. Interesting. Like, and I got there first. I, I did it, but I knew that when I typed it in that I was missing the ball off my fingers. Are you like, allowed to take it back and edit what you've submitted or is it kind of just in once you hit submit? Uh, it's in, but you can edit. They're all timestamped though. Um, gotcha. And so like you the, sort of remove your timestamp if you edit it, but like I knew that I, I knew that it wasn't there. I knew Why it, does the time matter? Uh it doesn't. I don't know. It's it, like, who gets there it, first, there's an maybe. order there's an order of it too. So like the more the more recent ones will rank up at the top. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um and so let's say if you get that first one at the bottom and you edit it at the bottom, it'll actually stay down there at the bottom. Um and I don't know the order in which creative reads them, but I think that's relevant. I think brains Mines are right. are tainted by their first exposure, you know, and uh-huh, tainted. Like uh, <laughs> the uh, actual flavor text, by the way, is "drink this, comma brother." Period. It will bring you rest. Yeah, right. So, so like, you had a very similar version to that. Shitty. I had some some like sort of half baked, almost there version of that mm-hmm. that I that I tried, and I think I meant to come back and fix it later, but I just like never really came around to nailing it because when I came back to do so, everyone else had trodden that turret like you know that interesting it's pretty it's pretty cool that there's so much strategy to that part of it because of (laughs) course (laughs) anyone doing this would have to know the game so well they're probably players of the game so they're just gamers so of course there's different strategies you're trying to game that system it's very cool yeah um we should say jace is you were responsible for the planeswalker side which is jace telepath unbound is there anything that comes to mind about that uh that name specifically I wanted to be very clear about what was happening. Uh, planeswalkers have no flavor text. There's no room for mm-hmm. you know uh, kind of supporting supporting flavor. There's, right. you know, there's there are no buttresses here. Your wall has to stand up on its own. And so I um, didn't have a lot of space, and I wanted it to be really clear what was happening. And he has just he had just you know broken free of his abusive um, you know servant relation, yeah. relationship with his, his mentor Alhamaret. And he's now on Rav- Ravnica, and he, it is clear that he's a telepath. You know, like mm-hmm. we need to know the nature of his magic, the origin of his strength. That's important, and, um, and then we need to know like the the condition. You know, what is he like now at this stage versus other stages? You know, like mm-hmm. you know, Jace the Mind Sculptor is much more um, developed. Is much more developed. You know, being at that you know at that stage in his life, and you know, the Living Guild Pack, you know, serves a very specific purpose 
uh, in the lore while being the worst card ever. Um, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree. But like, Living Guild Pact is very sad. You know, so like it was, I wanted to show, there's also a sort of like a bravado to the art where he has that hood. He's like, he's like pulling up his hood and he's like, yeah, it's a downward. Yeah. we're looking up at him from a downward angle on these stairs. And so there's this grandeur to him and it's like just this suave kind of like movie action hero kind of thing. And it's just like, yeah, unbound. So I wanted to, I, you know, I was just going for like the kind of uh, like teenage style thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Moving down, uh, I noticed that Honored Hierarch yeah. is yours. That's a very interesting one. I feel bad um, about that, by the way. Why? <laughs> because it's clearly a reference. This is almost like what I was saying with, with Conclave Naturalist. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's clearly in the family of Noble Hierarch. Yeah, right. exactly. Right, and so I, was, I made a, a distinct and pointed effort to, um, to reference Well, that. why do you feel bad about that? That feels smart. Because it... It's such. It's so much worse than Noble Hierarch card wise, gameplay wise. Oh, that, I see. Like, so that honoring the, the name, but the card isn't as strong. Right, feels right. A little wrong. Right. I mean, that's not. That's kind of uncreative. Like, they, like that's not know, your it's, fault. It's, yeah. I mean, R and D made the card. Creative picked the name, but like it was, there was a clear reference there, and I wanted to make it. Yep. Um. But I almost. I like feel like I've participated in this big trick now. In the in that where people are like, oh, it's like kind of like Noble Hierarch, uh, but insultingly worse. Right, right. Well, I don't think anybody's been tricked. No, nobody's been tricked. We all nobody all, thinks it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of um, mythics on here. Starfield of Nyx, also yours. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Now, did you guys know that it would be a card specifically referencing Nyx? Yes, yeah. It was. It was like this card is on Theros. It's a picture of the night sky, which contains the pantheon of deities. Mm-hmm. It's clearly Nyx. Like it was just about that. Right. Because that feels like just a gimme, the of Nyx part of it, but the Starfield, it's like a very evocative word. So I really like that because you don't really see those words, those two words together very often. Starfield. You know? Yeah, I think I remember one of my other submissions was uh, Divine Firmament, mm-hmm. which I would have been happy with. That's that's cool, but like it had to contain both. It had to be stars, like a night sky that also contains deities. Like, right. Mm. You had to you had to hit the two hit the two bit things there. I have to tell you, James, um, in our last episode, we made fun of one of your card names a little bit. <laughs> it's not your fault um, <laughs> because it has more to do with the arts, but Gideon's phalanx. What about it? It's not a phalanx in the art. It oh. just looks like... A- it's just dudes like running. They're not like <laughs> interlocking shields. They're not like standing side by side. Yeah, I'll take, not, I'll take responsibility. They don't have that. spears. <laughs> I'll take the blame. Yeah, yeah. it's a battle formation. I, I believe we were instructed to do some sort of like military dudes in a formation thing. And I didn't really think much further. Phalanx is a very good word though. I, I do like that word a lot. And I don't think anyone's going to look at this card and be like, whoa, hold on. Except for us. <laughs> Except for a, like, couple yeah. of, a couple of jerks who have their own podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's aesthetically pleasing. It's a, it is a battle formation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it's, as far as it feels as like a magic go. word too. Right. Phalanx. It's just, yeah. it well, has we had phalanx, phalanx leader. Right. Like, right. Just in Theros, right. Or yeah. in Theros. So, Definitely, it's a word that's been used. Yeah. I don't think I missed. I just wanted to come clean so that you don't like listen to that episode a little bit down the line. And go, hey, those jerks. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. And I, I'll, I will, I will apologize for the for the military inaccuracy. I, I don't think that my other submissions for that card were also misuses of mm-hmm. military terms. I hope not. Did but, they all have the Gideon's name in there? No, I don't think. Did so. some of them have oh, Kithion? No, it's because that's at this point. Yeah, at that point, he's Gideon. Yeah. Oh, it's true. It's clearly Gideon in the art. Mm-hmm. What if you called it not Kithian's feelings? <laughs> do you think they would have accepted that? I don't know. <laughs> I do want to go on the record uh, and at the, this moment, take a moment to congratulate um, uh, Creative on really accurately using Greek-sounding mm. uh, uh, 
uh, morphology there for that name. Um, I, I am Greek. I grew up speaking Greek as a kid. I've forgotten a lot of it, but I still have the sort of grammatical underpinnings and the like, I can read the, the alphabet. Right. I can like read it. I can read the words. I can read the text. I have no idea what it means. Um, but like Kithion is a is is perfect. Like that's that is a, a very Greek sounding name. Good job, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And by the way, I hear a lot of people saying Kithion. No, it's Kithion. Yeah, no. Sure. I, yeah. I, yeah. And there's even a little more uh, like your tone has a little bit yeah. of actually actual right, saying. We're like Kithion. Gideon's failing. Well, it's clearly supposed to be close to the word Gideon. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's part of the whole thing. Is so not Kithion. Sorry. Yeah. Right, guys. I, I get tons of pronunciations wrong, so I'm oh, not too. actually I chastising said, people. I'm just like, that is clearly Kithian. I still yeah. say crufix. I know everyone else says crufix, but I don't know why that U would be pronounced in a, with, you know, that'd be a hard that's U. True. I don't that's, understand. That's that, that, that reads crufix to me. I don't, I don't care. I'm not going to like go on a crusade about this, but I'm, I'm <laughs> you mean going a, to... You mean a crusade? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> no, crusade sounds better. Crew fix, X in the U. Yeah. yeah. It, you never know. Um, doesn't matter. I, I do have a question. Uh, and this is, I was actually just listening to LR. So shout out to Marshall and LSV. Uh, but Marshall had a, uh, particularly had a complaint about this card name because he's like, oh gosh, they're going to make us say this on it's coverage. It's also? Yeah. It's Gear Up Here Aether Grid. Okay, oh, yeah, that's yeah, yours. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't, I didn't use that word. I don't believe. I believe my submission was Kaladeshi Aethergrid uh-huh. because in development at this point, um, it was Kaladesh. Kaladesh right? was the name right, of, right. Uh, of Chandra's home plane, uh. Uh, and some stuff get got moved around. Yeah, because you see Girador pop up a couple of other times. I think Aethergrid is awesome. Or, oh no, excuse me, excuse me. Girapur was the name. Girapur. Uh, was, that was the working title of her. Um, Oh, uh, but that was the name of that for us. Girapur was the name of her. Gotcha. Of her and they made a great, a great change. Kaladesh is a much better sounding word. Um, but it still says Girapur, unfortunately. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> so what they did so was they, they sort of they shifted Girapur into being um, a, a, the name of the city. Oh, where, where Chandra is from. It's just a place within Kaladesh. It's gotcha. not the name of the whole plane. No, no, it's just a city, I believe. I think I'm right. I mean, no, it, it says it's a region. The city of Girapur is a living thing and living things defend themselves. Marshall, so. just call it the Aether Grid. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it'll be fine. Everyone will know. Is that a card? Uh, Are people going to play that? Uh, uh, no. 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 In no. no. okay. EDH, <laughs> maybe, but yeah, it's an interesting card. No one's going to play it in I don't EDH remember either. It, it does one damage. Here's a really interesting one Throwing Knife. Throwing knife, yeah. It's, I mean, come on. It's. A, I think my others were slightly more, you know, embellished. And, no, that's and, what I mean. Is that's the type of name I can see a whole list of people never submitting the really obvious, like mm-hmm. simple one. Right. I mean, those are there. It doesn't. I don't feel like less of a writer for having scored so simple of a. Oh, name absolutely. Not at all. On that, yeah. because my other submissions were likely more flowery and right. had you know had had done more work. I, I should say. Um, but sometimes simple is, is better and yeah, you know, we don't really make, we don't make the choice at the end of the day. So it's good to include a simple submission and then a flowery submission and then maybe like an esoteric weird, whatever, like you want to cover your bases. So they have a good variety of things to choose right. from. Like that if makes they, a lot of sense. You don't know what vibe they want for the card. And so if you only, if you provide three options of one vibe and they don't like that vibe, you're not getting the card. Yeah, so you want to you're trying to diversify your portfolio that you're putting forth. So you have throwing knife, and then you'll have like the dancing knives of Girapur or whatever. Right, exactly. You know, it's like <laughs> we we have two we have two ambitions that are almost at odds with each other while doing this. On the one hand, it's like we want to do the best, most interesting literary work possible, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, we want to get paid as much as as much as possible right. and land as much you know work on the cards as possible. Because you're trying to make a living here as well. Yeah, I mean, we're not <laughs> no one's making a living off of the creative tech scene. This this pays rent like two or three times a year, but. Outside of that, it's not 
Well, uh, it's just hate, a great. Yeah. You also just get to creative have, work. Yeah. Is just so often falls into that, like right, exactly. that give and take that tug of war yeah. within your own self, and having it is what makes you be able to do it well. Because right. if you don't care, right. then you'll never do it well. Right. But if you do care, then it sucks sometimes because because you're hungry. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you're and you're like hungry. they chose the interesting one, and they they chose the boring one, and blah blah blah. And Ultimately, it, it's their game. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it's um, cool to see your text on it, no matter what. So I'd be stoked if I got throwing knife. I'd be like, <laughs> boom, it's so easy. Look at that slam dunk, suckers. <laughs> throwing knife. <laughs> uh, just we're not gonna go through all of these. Uh, we want to move on to the flavor text, but a couple of other cards uh, just to mention that you did name because they will be played in. Our format, Graveblade Marauder, with mm-hmm. you. That's going to be a it's good EDH card, I think. Death Touch. Mm-hmm. Yep, that does uh, damage equal damage to a player equal to uh, the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Yeah, when and it also, connects. Evolutionary yeah. Leap. Yeah, the new great. Survival of the Fittest. Evolutionary yeah. Leap. I, the new I was, greater good. I was happy about that. I was surprised that they took that name mm-hmm. because it's kind of hard and sciencey and mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily participate within the, the multiverse and, and magic lore. Um, but Survival of the Fittest. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's a Darwinian it is very green, term, though, right there. Right. Evolutionary okay. leap. So yeah. And I guess you've green got, has a habit of doing that. Yeah. In well, and what you've got is actually a direct reference to a Darwinism right. term. So that to me is perfect. Like, right. I, I looked at what the card was doing, and this is, you know, as a narrative design to me often boils down to the express. You know, I mean, of course, to, to everyone, it, it, mm-hmm. it's the expression of game mechanics in, mm-hmm. in the story. And, you know, of course, it, it should go the other way as well. The, the mechanics should, should kind of manifest what the story is talking about. Right. The, the, that intersection is where narrative designers are doing work. And so for me, reading that ability, it seemed pretty clear that this was, um, this was about progress. And evolution is not a teleological prog- uh, process. You know, if you've studied bio, right. you know right. that. But right. Like, but... Sometimes you go backwards. Sometimes you go backwards and yeah, or sideways and or just stops, you know, whatever. But um uh magic is pulpy and yeah. the card art called for um uh for sort of like this molting mm-hmm. you know, this molting serpent thing that was changing forms and into it was, yeah, into like a naga. Yeah, and it's also I like the word leap there. Um A because it's it's sort of idiomatically associated associated with evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh like that's a phrase and I like the fact that you don't like, you know, that you're, you're jumping through things. Like there's, there's a, there's a sense of distance being covered with each card that you've. Yeah. Yeah. It fits the action of what's mm -hmm. actually happening. Cause you may flip six cards before you get to the next one. Right. And the, all the, the leap also has this kind of risk to it inherently. Cause you may just end up with like a one, one when you sack like a six, five, which is like you said, like evolution actually does work that way. There's a lot of dead ends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, moving on to the flavor, your very first card on here uh, is kind of controversial. Yeah, I was all about it. Yeah, this is this has gotten a lot of people talking. Um, so <laughs> I don't know why it's fantasy. I mean, come I on, know, guys, because people just want to get they want to be up in arms about stuff. Yeah. So the card you didn't name this card, but you did the flavor text, right? I did not. I did not name the card, but I did the flavor quote. So the the card is Blessed Spirits. Um, if you guys the, have seen the art, it's the two little children. Two little children a in front of the stained glass window. Yeah, they're ghost children though, but they're happy for some they've, reason. Yeah, they're they've. In case you were questioning whether there are live children or not, well, then James wrote some flavor text that says, not all heroes die in armor. Which is great. Thank you. Uh, that was my favorite part when I saw this card. I saw the card, saw the name, and I was like, oh, and I read the flavor text, and it was just like, oh. Just in case, so Man. that you don't think they're alive. They're, they're ghost children. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and get that out there. Um, they're ghost Man, babies. a lot of people... Uh, a lot of people love it. A lot of people 
don't love it. Uh, I love it. I think this is great. It's not the flavor text specifically, just the card itself. Right, no, mm-hmm. some people thought it was it was too brutal. It wasn't tasteful, you know? It was depicting dead children. And, right. You know, people were like, I saw some, some Reddit comments. People were like, oh my God, who's in control over there? Like, who's oh. running the show in creative? Like, what's what's wrong with that? And I'm sitting have here on my computer. Have those guys seen some of Magic's old cards? Like, come on, guys. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have <laughs> zombies like ripping people apart. And yeah. Blood like pouring from their face. And Demonic Tutor is like one of the very first cards. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're yeah. not telling you to join the occult. Yeah. All of black is consistently macabre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then so. white gets this beautiful, not all heroes dying armor. Like, these kids are heroes too. And we were like, oh my God, rabble, rabble, rabble. Maybe they're just mad because uh, ghost children are always evil in horror movies. And so they're mm. just Maybe, mad yeah. it's white. Yeah. Also, it's 2 2. These are little kids. They should be, I guess they're one ones each. There's two, There's two of them. Two yeah. Of them. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the thing with this was like watching that, ex- watching that reaction take place was so gratifying as a writer mm-hmm. because. On, on the one hand, people loved it. On the other hand, they hated it. But no matter what, they were feeling something. Yeah, And yeah, so that's, that's what it's all about, is making people feel things. That's ultimately what art is about, right? Yeah, is yeah. Like, is like obtaining a reaction from your audience. It's mm-hmm. not, if they ever are just sitting there and there's no reaction, then you... You can do it cheaply by by shocking them with right, something. Exactly. I mean, or you can like. You well, know, that's why people care. do that because right. they can't figure out how to do it the other way. But at least they can do it in the exploitative way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So I mean, this one it just looked like a sad card. There was just these dead ghost children floating in front of this thing, and you know, Innistrad. So you had the full art. We had the full art. The so this card is this is this card is on this card is on Innistrad. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. And that was weird because Lily visits Innistrad. That's the only person. But Gideon doesn't. Yeah, right? Gideon doesn't. Yeah. Um, and this, it's white, so right. you would think. So you would think that it would be the only. The, all the other Innistrad cards are black. I think. Right. Uh, yeah. There might be some other vi- violations of this convention, but for the most part, this is uh, sort of conspicuously off color for the other Theros or Innistrad cards mm-hmm. in this uh, in this set. And so, um, I remember being really tuned in to the flavor of Innistrad and looking at the sort of position humans held. In, in that, at that, you know, on that plane, and it is one of extreme, um, you know, um, vulnerability and, right. and sacrifice and danger. And so, you know, you just, I feel like Thalia's art really kind of yeah. encapsulates the spirit of yeah, humanity. They're there. Yeah, they're just under siege. It's just, like, it's, it's a lot like that book we gave away, The Warded Man. Uh huh. It's just a terrible place to be a human at that time. And so, you know, I wanted to, I really wanted to get in touch with that, that feeling of, of, being surrounded and right. losing the things that matter most, um, the sort of the sense of, of hopelessness, and yet, and yet within that, you know, uh, the you know the promise of of fighting through of like Avison's going to come back, we're going to our hero will be restored and we'll be fine. Um, so I wanted to, I really wanted to, you know, look at them as as being precious mm-hmm. and and somehow make that come across. Yeah, I love the card. I think you did a great job with it. So congrats on that one. Uh, the, another one you did is Displacement Wave. Uh, it's a sorcery for X Blue Blue. You can return all non-land permanents when Vermant costs X or less to their owner's hands. And the flavor text is great here. The sea respects no boundaries, least of all the coast. When I saw, when I got my email telling me which things I had gotten accepted, uh-huh. that was the one I was the most excited to see. Because cool. it felt like the best sentence. It was the best writing, I thought, out of all of the other ones. And you know, creative does a lot of editing mm-hmm. on your submissions. A lot of times, you won't re- you will get paid for something that you began really, gotcha, but that they, but they kind sort of ran with. Yeah. Um, and I don't always enjoy those amendments. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, no writer does. Like sometimes you get edited well. Um, most of the time, we're less than stoked to see edit edits. Uh, you know, hit our stuff. And um, this was one that I was surprised got through with any without any touching, and it was uh, I was just happy to see it. Very cool. very cool. It fits very well too because it's just this it's wave that just doesn't care. It's just it's like yep. look, we're playing we're paying a lot for this X to bounce <laughs> a lot of stuff to their hands. So 
Yeah. Uh, one I'm really excited about is Will Breaker. Oh, yeah. Breaker. This is the guy. He's three and two blue for a two, three. Whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes the target of a spell or ability you control, gain control of that creature for as long as you control Will Breaker. So it just steals stuff. Um, and the flavor text is master your mind or I shall master it for you. And this is the Will Breaker herself saying it, right. which is great. Right. I think I was coming off of a bunch of Alhamaret writing mm-hmm. when I when I wrote that. It was very much... You were in the mind I was mage in, zone? Yeah, I was in that blue cocky telepath vibe. <laughs> the two of them just talk trash to each other. J- Jason, Alhamaret, throughout... Yeah, throughout, yeah. In, in the... You know, not even so much on, on the, the the cards that actually saw print, but the submission pools for the cards featuring those two characters were so sassy. They were Interesting. Just, they were just throwing shade at each other back and forth. Yeah. Wild. And Willbreaker does have that sort of cockiness to her, though. She, I mean, the pose is very intimidating. She's holding a literal brain in between yeah. her hands. So, yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think it fits really well. Um, Guardian Automaton. It's a, This is a long one. Mm. So, do you know that you have this much space Yes. On these ones, yes, there's like, actually a a digital render of the card that mm-hmm. updates in real time as you compose text. You see your your text appearing on the card, which is really key because you know th- sometimes a single character will push the word over the edge of the space, like so Twitter. It's just like Twitter. <laughs> so, but, this, but except for that, you actually use commas and like capitalization and you know correct grammar. Actual grammar, yeah. <laughs> Some people on Twitter do that too. I mean, that's a voicing thing. Like, True. So, yeah. Uh, but Guardian Automaton says the wealthy in the city of Girapur outfit, outfit their lives with grand machines, entrusting even their children to filigree and to, and gears. So that's actually pretty complicated. I I love that it has a lot of story. And it fits because there's this little kid walking alongside this like weird guardian thing. Like that. it looks like he's holding a, a balloon, but I'm right. sure it's just a big staff. It's those basic commons that don't do anything and mm-hmm. have all the space in the world for, for writing that contain the best world building moments. Right. Yeah, That's what I was going to say. How do you determine? Because if you look at Willbreaker and then you look at guardian automaton, it's totally different perspective that you're writing from. Right. One is like literally a quote from the character on that card. And the other is just like a sort of little snippet of what life is like, uh, in this particular town, city, plane, whatever. You'd be surprised how easy it is to determine wh- when which is appropriate. On Willbreaker, the direction for that card did not include, any, I don't remember it including any real specific connections. I think mm-hmm. it, sometimes it actually, like when it says there's a location field and sometimes they don't, they don't, they won't specify that. They're like, oh, this is a generic blue mage. This right. is a red mage. And in those moments, especially when there's a single line, you just, you know, you have line for bravado and that's it. You just have like a cocky little saying that you would, that you would drop and move just on. Just just like a mic drop moment kind yeah, of thing. Just exa- yeah, exactly. But when you have, when, when the card is set, on Kaladesh and it is a picture of a child with a very specific robotic accompaniment and they're moving through a market space. Like that's, it's very obviously a scene that creative has set forward um, and set up mm-hmm. for, to deliver world, like world information. Like, so, right. So um, that's really interesting. The, the text teams, everyone's pretty sensitive to that. We're all kind of on board with it. And I think most creative people who's, who were in that position would feel pretty, Pretty clear about when which is is necessary right now there's another card Pricklebore, and it also has a lot of space on the bottom but this one is a quote of, mm-hmm. of someone saying something now when you make up a quote for someone do you have specifically a character that's already existed in mind like does has marinthas a recro and the captain have popped up in other flavor texts in the past nope and i actually don't even remember if that's the name i submitted they may have edited it they just if made they wanted own. to but you just sort of uh you make up names constantly mm-hmm. constantly making up fantasy characters um and 
you just make up the phonemes. You just you just cram stuff together. That sounds good. It sounds appropriate to where that's from. Right. Um, so I we was, should read so the quote on Pricklebore. It's uh, yeah. It's canyons in the Oberos. Oberos. I always said Faberos, but that's improper. Canyons yeah, in the Faberos Badlands are essentially. Yeah, and I'm then not... it's it's attributed attributed to Marinthus, a Croan captain. Yeah, I don't I don't remember making up that name. <laughs> I don't think I would have because it sounds too much like Miletus, the city. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, I would Daxos's fame. Right, right. I'm actually not even a big fan of this quote. I don't think this is one of my better my better mm-hmm. submissions. Um, but sometimes it, they, they just I guess they disagree. Picks. They they appreciate it. it. It serves, you know, it accomplishes some end for them. That's. That's fine with me. Sometimes you close your eyes, you throw the dart, and it hits the bullseye, man. Yeah, yeah, it's there. I'm so I don't I don't remember making up that name. Um, I might have, they might have, but yes, we make up names all the time, constantly cool. making up names. Now, the last card that you did flavor for uh, that we'll talk about today is Grasp of the Hieromancer, and this is an enchantment that whenever uh, you, the creature it enchanted attacks, you get to tap a creature the tra- the target defending player controls. Now, it's specifically from the Warden Hixis to Kithion. Uh, there is power in abandoned, but far more in control. Do you think because it has Kithian on the art, do you think that gives you a little more like I don't know buying power to get the quote because it's it's a story moment. It's about you know a fight that occurs in the story where where the Warden Hixis is still very much his mentor. I could be wrong, but I believe I wrote that quote for a different card. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I think is it called suppression bonds? I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Is one, he's essentially doing the exact same thing in the art for Grasp of the Hieromancer. He mm-hmm. is casting suppression bonds on someone. Right. Okay. So I, I'm pretty sure I wrote this quote for suppression bonds, and uh, they swept, they flopped it over. Wow. Very interesting. Actually, it's funny because the suppression bonds quote is a master of hieromancy can see the advantage in any scenario, and the other card is Grasp of the Hieromancer. So, right. right. A lot so, of wordplay there. Flipping. Someone around. pointed out that there was a little bit of a. Um, an incongruency with Grasp of the Hieromancer because it's more of an aggro card. Mm-hmm. Um, but right, it says control. It has the word control in it. You yeah. know? Right, and it's. I, I I think the quote worked better on the the previous one where I where I wrote it. Um, right. but I, I like what they did. They flopped it around. Yeah, that's cool. So I mean, it's great to see that you know it's it's a, a never evolving process. You submit something, a name can get changed, some words can get edited, but you still get attributed mm-hmm. for it if they choose yours as a starting off point. I mean, in the contract for them, it's like you know every when you hit submit, it's their property now. Mm-hmm. Right, they can do whatever they want. Right, right, right. Of course. Well, let's talk about you know last time we had you on, um, we got a lot of questions. I think a lot of people are interested in getting into like creative fields. Right. Uh, or work or or just getting involved in those things. I mean, we all everyone listening to this obviously plays magic, so they obviously like this sort of creative realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is fun for Jimmy and I because our day jobs are actually in the same field. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But we had a lot of questions before about like how do people sort of get started? You know, how do they get their chances getting into you know this kind of field? Do you have any advice for people? You know, looking to get into creative field. Um, yeah, it's the same advice I give anytime people ask me this question and that's just do it and be seen doing it. Mm -hmm. Start doing it now. If you want to be a game designer, design games, right? Like even if you don't have the, the assets to have, you know, beautiful card art, um, or, you know, you don't have the money to print it and manufacture it, but like make a prototype, you know, print it on card stock at Kinko's. And you know, if you like it, maybe don't do a Kickstarter, like get yourself, get yourself out there, be visible and um, sort of build yourself up to have visible value. 
so that when a a prospective employer, uh, in this case, a game developer, is interested, uh, who you know, like is looking to hire a narrative designer or a level designer or an environment artist, that you have done enough of it already, where they're looking at you as someone who can provide value to them. Gotcha. They don't want to look at you as a charity project that they're going to be like, oh, this kid will be a good writer someday. Someone just needs to give him a chance. Like, no, they want they want good writing right now. And if they're going to pay for it, they want someone who is already getting paid for it. They want a professional. Right. So there's a kind of a fake it till you make it thing going on. But you have to go out and do the thing that you want someone to pay you for it before you can get someone to pay you for it. You have to like have that value already. So in the writing, in the writing um, field, it's you know, be a writer. Have go write. Um, and then, like having done that, having edited, having a, a, like arrived at something polished and, and showable, publish. Mm-hmm. Get it published. Get it out there. Start branding yourself as a writer. Um, the other big part of this is yeah, is is visibility. Is um, we live in an, in an age where with social media and our connectivity is such that we can be very easily seen. And if you um, right, like so, what you're saying, Twitter is how you got in with those gathering magic guys originally. Yeah, I mean, like I was, I was publishing on the same site as them, but the conversations we were having were on Twitter or on mm-hmm. Gchat or something, you know, and it's just like, just talk to people, like, get out there and, you know, be gregarious and, and be visible and brand yourself in a consistent, in a consistent positive way. Um, I think one of the things people branding is, you know, a, a kind of a dirty word. I think it's kind, yeah. of, com- kind of commercial and gross, but you want to be it's intimidating sensi- too. People don't really know what it means or they don't understand the full meaning of it. Right. I mean, I guess, in this sense, it's just like put forth an image that is consistent and honest. Um, Do not lie, guys. Yeah. Well, fake it till you make <laughs> fake it. Till you, fake it till you make it. But lie. like, you know, if you're if you if you want your brand, if you want to do really literary work, like really highbrow, fancy work, you know, make sure that's visible in the names you choose for yourself and the mm-hmm. art you you put in. Like, have all of the pieces, all of like the the dynamics, all the visual, audio textual have all of the pieces be in concert and working together you like servicing your brand each of them contributing to it so that when you apply to a game developer and they look at your website it's all um it's all like your brand is in every aspect of it right the funny i like what you said uh first off which is just do the thing yeah do the thing. um and you know if you look around and you hear stories or whatever there's there's just not many people that are great at something in the creative field that just never got discovered. It just doesn't really happen, you know? And so the people that are out there and they're doing stuff and it's great stuff, the rest will work itself out. Water will find its level, as we like to say. And so that's the first thing I would say to anybody in any creative field is that do the thing, (laughs) do it good. Yeah. Don't worry so much about those other steps, the branding, the connections, the all the rest of that stuff that feels like really important, and it is, but do the thing. Do it good. Yeah. I guarantee all the rest of that stuff will work itself out if you're great at yeah. what you're doing. And also every person that's done something great started out by doing something that was just absolutely crappy. Yeah. You and know? people who are doing great things take every now and then will do something crappy. Like yeah. Every all other the time. I mean, like, Look at actors. Actors this happens so consistently with actors. Constantly doing so crappy much, things. Yeah, yeah, constantly doing crappy things. <laughs> and occasionally one great thing. And you just need to just keep at it, you know, keep yeah. consistent. Yeah, I mean, for if you if you have the most glittering brand out there, if someone looks closely and there's no substance, if you haven't done the thing, it's not going to matter. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great advice. We could have a whole podcast just on how to break <laughs> into entertainment. Um, but let's talk about some giveaway winners instead. Woo! 
Woo. And James, you can uh, cheer on any of these people if you agree with their... Uh, We're giving away books. A writer should like that. So yeah, exciting. absolutely. So the <laughs> question was, what card from Magic Origins are you most excited about and which of your decks will it go into? So we'll just read them off one at a time. The first winner over email, Sam Blood. Very Sam What Blood. a sweet name. What a sweet... Yeah, <laughs> Is that no, your real name, Sam? Is it, that your stage name? It has to be Is something. Your it's branded name? <laughs> Anyway, he said, Tragic Arrogance. It won me a pre-release and is going straight in my Aloro deck. And we know that Aloro is the most popular commander by far. And, yeah. and was the commander that was easily the most referenced of all our submissions. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about that a little later. Um, winner number two. Again, remember, everybody's winning a copy of Red Rising mm. on paperback, I believe. From Delray Spectra. Um, from Delray Spectra. So it's Austin Whetstone. At the big robot, another great on name. Twitter. I know, right? Yeah, these are all super names. Does it, does or does super it have an H? Names. Is it like yes? Oh, it is. Yeah. Got up it. Oh, yeah. killing it, Austin. <laughs> uh, Austin says, "Really looking forward to Mama and Papa Nalar. That's mm. Pia and Kieran Nalar. I think they'll take over for Slowbad for a while. Very nice, very nice. Cool. After that, we have Laura Rodimich or Road Mike. <laughs> kind of looks like, like Rodimich. Rodimich at Argoria on Twitter. My Nath deck needs Gnarl Root Trapper. Elves with Death Touch equals yes. Elves with Death Touch equal yes. That's good. I like it. Uh, the next one is on Twitter at NJudy121. Says, I'm excited for Pyromancer's Goggles. Me too. I'll yeah. be throwing it in my Rico of Two Reflections deck. That's where it belongs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, after that, we have Boris Fishman. Another great name. Over email, Pyromancer Goggles for Melek. I can't wait to use the goggles to copy a red ritual or an epic experiment or something similar. Epic um, experiment would be pretty sweet. Sounds like a little bit of storm going on there, maybe. Yeah. Uh, next one is Drew Bradshaw, also over email. My top pick from Origins is Mana Gorger Hydra, and it's going in every green deck. <laughs> every single one. Yeah, it's You know, pretty... we didn't talk about this card. Yeah, that's right. We didn't mention it. Uh, which Origins is probably review. our mistake uh, because it just destroyed me at the pre-release. Oh, yeah. I went four and one, but the one uh, match that I lost, this guy got Managorger out and it just grew to like a 12-12 trample and I just... You I also was, tried to fight card it, not realizing your fight card yeah. gave it the extra bit yeah. of toughness that oh, your fight card wouldn't work. Yeah, I yeah. saw it happen. I was like, no, Josh, no. <laughs> What are you doing? Don't do it. Yeah, well, it was a misplay, but that card is a house. Uh, yeah. yeah, and with four players casting spells or five, I, I could see it being like pretty broken. Yeah. Um, our next winner is at J-A-C-I-I, Jassy, Jackie, I don't know. Top Jackie. Pick, Jackie. Top pick of Origins for my EDH deck, Drumroll. Cothoped, Soul Hoarder, and Marchessa. Hayfed. Hayfed, yeah. And second pick, uh, Sphinx's Tutelage and Crufix. Very good. Very You're good. pronouncing it Crufix now? Yeah, I mean, he plays it. Yeah. Just corrupt his, his crusade yeah. to make you say Crufix as well. You're very persuasive. Yeah. I'm also going to say Tuttleage. Sphinx's Tuttleage and Crufix. I can't believe you gave me this next name yeah. to read. Uh, Chris Zvirziki? Uh, Zviriziki. I like that. Yeah. Uh, it's Beautiful. at CZ4200 yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. That's a lot easier to say. <laughs> I'm excited for putting the new Lily in, a, in Alesha to make the sisterhood of the traveling recursion. <laughs> <laughs> they would be pretty sweet sisters. <laughs> People are clever. They um, write funny things. Yeah, seriously. The next one is from Pro Tour uh, competitor Sam Black. Just kidding. His name is also Samuel Black at Retrofrog. Uh, Willbreaker plus Goblin Bombardment. Ooh, straight into Marchesa. Let me just destroy everything you own. <laughs> <laughs> That's your I card, James. It. Willbreaker. Yeah. It is. Uh, and our 10th and final winner of the book, Red Rising, is Philip 
Oh, he's got a cool Twitter name. It's at Filthy Casual. Oh, very nice. New Liliana as commander in my mono black zombie deck. Vorthos, very on top. Like it, like yeah, it. I like it a lot. Yeah, so make good. sure you guys, if you heard your name, email us your address at command, uh, commandcast at rocketjump.com so we can send you out your prizes. Uh, I also wanted to say, because as I was compiling all the submissions, there were some interesting things. One, Aloro was easily the most um, mentioned commander. Alhamaret's archive was easily, yeah. I would say, times 10 any other card. That card is awesome. It yeah. Is so cool. I was so sad I didn't get any of the names for it. Or didn't get Do you it remember any of the names you submitted for it? Um, I think I had like Orb of like Alhamaret's Orb and like Eye of Alhamaret and stuff like that. Um, I was much more on like a mystical glass level than mm-hmm, like a sort mm-hmm. of library archive kind of thing. But I like what archive does because it's still a glass orb. So now we know and it helps you with card draw, which archives we know you generally do. Right. Yeah, just yeah. just like imagining that a, a sphere of glass functioning in a sort of li- like in a library. I don't know what it has to do with life gain, but okay. Yeah. I don't know either, but it's nice. <laughs> um, the interesting thing though, because I think that was kind of a gimme was that the second most talked about card was sort of the animist. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ant, the guy I, met, I mentioned earlier, uh, Tresswar, Tresswar. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, Ant. Um, <laughs> he named that. Very He's nice. pretty stoked on that. That's yeah. a good one. Well, people are very excited about that card. I was surprised how often it was mentioned. Yep. I think it's just a little ramp. A little ramp, and it goes in every deck. It's, and it's, it's non, it's any land, right? It's not just basics. Is it any land? Uh, That'd be really good. For a basic land card. It's a basic land? Okay. Yeah. It's still great. It's still I was going to say, man, it's broken otherwise. Still great. Um, yeah. yeah, just ramp for any color deck. It's also cheap to put out and equip. Beautiful art. It's going to be, it's the art on the game day playmat. I mean, if oh, you're in mono nice. white or mono red, like that's just such a good tool that you did not have before. So yeah, absolutely. I can see. Um, okay, so thanks again, Delray Spectra, for the book contest. Once again, if you heard your name called, email us your address or we can't send the prizes mancast at rocketjump.com all right and you guys can also follow delray spectra at twitter at delray spectra worth noting i think i remember the equip cost having a green symbol in it oh in development i think they pulled that i think they changed it wow well it makes sense because it is a green uh card which is really interesting way worse if it had (laughs) a colored equip cost yeah especially because it would not have been people would not have been that may have been the first time it has a uh, oh no i guess cranial plating also kind of has a colored equip cost but just a straight colored one i don't think there's some in dark steel isn't there or oh, like that in the, I think the old there's, a few. there's a few. There's a few. Yeah. There's a few. Well, it's not like green needs this ability anymore no. anyway, so. I'm glad they did what they did. Yeah, I, me too. It's an oh, awesome card. Choice. Yeah. All right, time to move on to the end step where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. Yeah, James, how is your, your game Roots coming? Uh, yeah, Roots uh, went on. It went live on Amazon about, I think, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And Want to give everyone a quick breakdown of what the game is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it actually kind of relates to that game you mentioned before uh, with mm-hmm. like making up words. What was it? Flibbit or something? Uh, yeah, Fibbage. Fibbage. Right, so I just, for the listeners, I just put out a board game, my very first one. It's called Roots, A Game of Inventing Words, and it's a uh, casual, narrative-driven, and actually educational um, tabletop game. It's card-based, and basically what you do is um, you take prefixes, which are on their own deck of cards, and each card will have a prefix, like Astro mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, um, or Luna or something, and uh, the meaning is printed beneath it, and then you would pair that with another with a suffix card, which is in a different color, a different deck, um, 
let's say it would have like ocracy. And this is the example I always give. I'm sure like if anyone's heard me before, I always do this. Um, and so you combine various prefixes and suffix cards together to make totally new words. Um, and you match them to a subject card, which is always an adjective. So kind of like apples to apples where like mm-hmm. the subject card is out and then everyone submits to match that subject in this you're, you're playing your, there's like a, a scrabble like board, uh, like, or kind of a arrangement of trees, of, um, on the table and, you will add either a prefix or a suffix card to the edge of those trees to create new words to match the subject card in play. So let's say the subject card is is tyrannical, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, you know, Astro is hanging off the bottom of a tree on the on the table, and you have ocracy in your hand. Your submission for that round, you could add ocracy to make astrocracy or star government, and you would oh, then cool. explain to the group the astrocracy is tyrannical because it it suppresses the more primitive undeveloped planets in this system and it's blah, 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 blah. You say whatever you want. And then at the end of the round, everyone votes on the most successful word, uh, the best word of that round. You cannot vote for your own. Uh, this game sounds exactly <laughs> right up, exactly what we've been talking about up till now. It's the most up your alley thing I could even yeah, think of. Yeah, I mean, like I'm, I, I th- someone told me in grad school, they're like, you know, write the book you want to read. And I think that applies to any art form. It's like, make the art you want to consume. And so as a gamer, uh, as a game designer, I set out to game, make the game that I wanted to play that would maximally, um, you know, support and, and, and showcase my strengths as a, as a player. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a total Johnny, uh, through and through in games. And, you know, I often growing up, you know, playing games with my family, I would make uncompetitive decisions that were cool. I would lose, I would like throw games and like, pursue some strategy that was not the most competitive visibly, but was just doing interesting things with the mechanics. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I was always very interested in this, what narrative was being enacted and blah, blah, blah. And so this is a game that um, really, really highlights your verbal ability to defend and explain your choices. And so I, you, you play astrocracy that might not necessarily, it's connection to tyrannical might not be self-evident, mm-hmm. but you as a player the debate, the explanation, the rhetorical part of it is where the game really shines. And so it's up to you as a player to explain why the astrocracy is tyrannical, why your new word matches that subject. And it's up to you, it's up to your opponents to laugh at you, to, ref- to refute it, because you're all going to vote at the end of the thing. And so right. you're going to, you have to influence the table at any, at any time you can undermine somebody else's, um, somebody else's ability. So it's actually somebody else's arguments. So it's, it's actually very um, rules light. That's cool. All right, cool. Go on Amazon.com and look up Roots and check it out. Uh, time for the cleanup step. That's right. Let's make sure that you listen to our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Uh, Alex and Ben talk about all things modern and competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast. And our editor for the show is Eli Cuevas. And many special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card animations. You can find them on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. You guys should watch the video for this week because we'll show all the cards that James got to write the flavor text and or name. So very exciting. And you can also find James on Twitter at James Pianca. Do you have any other worldwide internet URLs you want to throw out there? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm at the same handle. I'll take you to my Instagram, which serves an entirely different purpose. I'll let you guys <laughs> find that out on your own. Um, uh, the Twitter, my, it's P I A N K A, excuse me. <clears throat> and you can find all those links in the show notes, of course, as usual. Yeah, right. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. 
See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>